All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, I'm recording this on my time, it's this evening, and we are going to talk once again, that's right, one of my favorite subjects, health. Uh, we talk a lot about fueling your health, your business, and your lifestyle because over the years, I've realized that most of us struggle with balancing all three of those domains. And yes, there's many other domains in life, and there's many other domains that attribute to success. But I like to simplify things down to the trifecta. And at its core, if you cannot put your health first, your business will suffer, your careers will suffer, your lifestyles will suffer, no matter what lifestyle choices you have. Uh, so this gentleman might appreciate that, that theme because he helped me get reconnected. I swear to God, I can't remember where I heard the name from before, but we were just talking before I hit record. And we're going to talk a little about the Gerson, tech, Gerson method. And this gentleman is long gone. And, but he might have known a little bit about health. He might have known a little bit about these uh, different topics we discuss nowadays of, oh, you must have a genetic predisposition to this disease and that disease. And there's just so many avenues we're going to go down tonight. I just have a feeling as a prediction. Uh, so without further ado, he's a graduate of the New York Chiropractic College. Uh, he definitely knows a lot about the Gerson therapy. This is a worldwide uh, topic. And I think it needs to be brought back to the forefront more and more. So I'm excited to dig into it. Also, you might have heard of a, uh, a documentary, The Beautiful Truth. I am a geek about documentaries, and I did go back and watch that one after I got his background. So without further ado, Dr. Patrick Vickers, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So for the, for the listeners, by the way, if you watched on YouTube, the guy's got a great color spectrum on his skin right now and i believe he is uh recording in mexico am i not wrong on this <laughs> yeah i'm in rosarito mexico right now but i actually get my tan from fort myers florida which is actually where i live okay well there we go a floridian so he is a fellow east coaster and yes i'm a skier so right now i don't have as much uh skin color as i would like to but i am also irish and it takes a lot to get me to tan anyway by bloodline um yeah. and we were just geeking out though I could care less about the solar rays, even though I do get out in the sun as much as possible. Uh, but we're just geeking out because I have an infrared therapy device over here in my office as well. So there's lots of discussions around light and light therapy. And, and even though it's wintertime here, trust me, I was out. Actually, day before yesterday, you'll get a kick out of this, Doc. I posted like my Instagram stories or whatever. And I said, hey, you know, I've got an athletic watch. And, and uh, I never look at the steps. And like it, uh, it tracks my steps. I'm like, I don't care. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I've got a CrossFit gym out in my barn. I, I, I'm, a, I was, I'm a skier. I used to be a wildland firefighter. That's part of the branding. I'm no stranger to working out and exercise. But also the importance of rest, recovery. Uh, we're going to talk probably about detoxification today. I'm all about this. Anyway, even though it's winter, I'm going to be outside as much as possible. So Saturday, I was like, you know what? Let me, let me build the firewood inventory up and I have two acres of woods around my property here so I just start hiking and picking things up like I could easily drop a couple dead trees which I did earlier this year and recycle them because they were dead uh, but there's other ones just snapping off and blowing over in windstorms so I'm like I'm just gonna go around and pick things up and put them down <laughs> is the, the gym terminology so that's what I did and I probably hit about 18,000 steps on Saturday and I was like you know that's pretty productive it felt pretty good I'm going to do it again yesterday on Sunday. And I broke 28,000 steps. <laughs> and I posted that. And a guy commented, he goes, dude, 
what were you trying to do? Like walk to Mordor? And I've realized that was like a, a Lord of the Rings uh, connection to the movie thing. And I, I laughed at that. And I'm like, why is that so hard to believe that somebody can get outside and do all kinds of healthy fit things and people think you're walking to Mordor? <laughs> I mean, do you have these conversations from time to time? I don't know. Uh, not at my cancer clinic. I don't think. <laughs> we'll explain. There's no exercise on the curse of therapy. Okay, so good. Let's connect yeah. right together on that then. So, yeah. So, yeah. so why no exercise? Well, as you'll learn, the whole secret to the Gerson therapy is the production of energy on a cellular level. Okay. Uh, you know, and that can be explained scientifically. You have little things in your cells called mitochondria. And mitochondria convert sugar into energy. Well, if you notice someone who's sick and or dying, they're lethargic. Why are they lethargic? Well, because... They've lost the capacity to produce energy on a cellular level. And our bodies need massive amounts of energy on a daily basis just to maintain a healthy immune system, let alone cure a sick and dying one. So everything Gerson does on his or did on his therapy revolved around the production of energy on a cellular level to rally the immune system. If you're taking that energy and you're using it, you know, for peak performance, whether it's a sport, whether it's for exercise, whatever. Uh, you're not going to get well. We see that all the time as it relates to terminal disease. Now, this is advanced disease, right? Sure. So this isn't like someone who might have diabetes or, you know, high blood pressure. Those things aren't an issue. But when we're dealing with advanced terminal cancer, our patients must rest. When a dog is sick, what does it do? It eats, it drinks, it sleeps. That's all it does. It eats, drinks, and sleeps until it's well. Yeah. And so Dr. Gerson was absolutely adamant that the patient conserve the energy that we're trying to create on a cellular level. Yeah, and, and just for fun, because I like to get some stuff in early on the video when this is up in the YouTube world. Uh, go to gersonclinic.com, ladies and gentlemen. I'm actually screen sharing right now for the video feed. And just, just some cool old photos. And, and obviously, here's the last one here, yeah. Max Gerson right there, uh, Yosef Azels. Wow. And, and it's just it's cool to see this level of history tied into what you're discussing here because this is, you know, well, right here, actually 1881 to 1959 is Max Gerson, right? So it's a little back in the day uh, for the modern generation. But one thing that I can connect with you on is the importance of rest and recovery, the R and R so to speak, right? In the military terms. But over a decade ago, when I, served out west as a wildland firefighter with the federal government i mean i was on one of the elite hotshot crews that's what i put the book out about and it was a very beat down <laughs> career choice and you don't know until you do it and then it's like after you're done with the fire season it's like september october you don't want to do anything like at all and that's not who i am but my body was speaking to me and I listened and I, I took about a month or so off, didn't go to any gyms, didn't go hiking, didn't go crazy. I did plan a trip to Ireland and after the, my rookie year and went and uh, backpacked Ireland. But yeah. I took a good month off before I do that because the accumulated exhaustion, fatigue, it, it, was, a, it was changing. I never experienced yeah. that before. Now that's just yeah. because of a very hard job. But then you add in, the breathing of wildfire smoke, right? The again that 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 compilation of accumulated exhaustion. I was probably ripe for potential illness and disease at that level of fatigue, but luckily I was also camping under the stars every night, right? We we lived we lived outdoors, and 
granted the nutrition was probably questionable from the fire <laughs> from, from the fire camp. So, I mean, without you being there, I don't know where was I. You think? I mean, you, you got the you got MREs, preserved stuff. You got fire camp food, definitely not fresh, organic, anything like that. Uh, Sixteen hours a day, you know, fighting wildfires for two weeks straight before you take days off for health, you know, quote and recovery. Your R and R days. Yeah, it was probably not the. I don't know. I, I felt really high energy after camping every night. But then by the end of the six-month push of a summer season, you're like, it doesn't matter how great that camp was, you're just burned out. Wow. That sounds like quite an experience, but yeah. A little yeah. But now add in, now I'll take that to somebody who's, and it's not just aging people with cancer. There's, I, I've done countless fundraising uh, initiatives for uh, youth with cancer and everything else too, but this this topic of cancer is just one of many diseases we're, we're dealing with. And so I totally respect the fact like, yeah, why would you be exercising if you have a severe illness or disease? That yeah. doesn't make sense it to me. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's like, it's like people thinking that you can out-exercise a bad diet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, exacerbate the bad diet. Your, your kitchen's kind of important. I mean, how, yeah. how, do, how do you target that? How do you, because I, I like to hit hard right from the beginning of the show. We're talking about rest and recovery, right, to help with disease and illness. And now we're adding in the kitchen as part of it. And we still haven't uh, added the gym back in yet, right? We don't need the gym, all right? right? Why? Why the kitchen, Doc? Well, look, we are what we eat, right? I mean, we were taught that from when we were kids. And I can tell you, doing this 25 years, we have dug our graves with our forks. Okay. It's that simple. You know, we have, we have single-handedly destroyed our own bodies through diet, you know, through what we're putting on our bodies, in our bodies, you know, whatever we're drinking, obviously. And so, you know, I've been doing this 25 years and the average age coming into our clinic is 50 to 55. That is when disease typically sets in because the human body can handle the onslaught of everything we do to it for decade after decade after decade. But right at the fifth decade, that's when it seems that the human immune system shuts down. Interesting. You and I have all, all have cancer. Cancer is a normal bodily process. The eliminating them. That's a natural process. And so at what point does the immune system lose the upper hand on the disease? It's typically around the fifth decade of life of just abusing our bodies diet through that same tumors, cancer, that's a 10, 20 year process, but it takes 50 years ultimately to show its ugly head. And that's when people are typically coming to my clinic with advanced terminal cancer. Wow. I mean, again, the terminology of advanced terminal cancer, and by the way, real quick, you were getting a little choppy there. So I'm not sure if your internet's a little yeah. wonky down there in Mexico or not, but <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Um, so hopefully that stays cleaned up because I don't want to ruin this powerful messaging. So how do you get people to talk about, I mean, yeah, why, why is that to wait till we're 50, by the way? Because everybody starts saying, oh, well, hormonally, you start going downhill in your 40s. And I was like, well, I can yeah. see some of that. I think that's also lifestyle impacts too. Yeah, well, I lived with Charlotte Gerson, right? The iconic face of the Gerson therapy. Dr. Gerson's last living daughter. Okay. I lived with her when she was 76. And I can tell you she was held 
healthier than any 30, 40 year old that I've ever met. And so the fact that, you know, you start going downhill at 40 uh, because of the hormonal changes, that's nonsense. She didn't go into menopause until she was two. And so, (laughs) you know, and that's because she lived her father's therapy as a lifestyle, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. The Gerson therapy is not just a therapy, it's actually a lifestyle, but it is a therapy when it comes to curing advanced disease. But, you know, the fact that, you know, saying that, you know, we're, we're, we go down to 40 because of natural body hormonal, it's simply not true. That's true in this day and age because of what we're doing bodies externally and internally. Uh, but look, our bodies were designed to live healthily 120 years old, let's face it. And, you know, you want to be a, you want to be a, what is it? A centurion, you know, you have to feed your body properly. You have to take proper care of your body. And, and the reality is in this day and age, people really, really are one for lack of discipline, others for lack of knowledge. What is, you know, what does it mean to truly be healthy? There's so much information out there now that that in and of itself is a confusing question, right? How do you address, that's a pretty broad question right you know what is the what is peak performance for example right what's peak health and i I truly believe there is that balance of obviously mind and body um but obviously if you're not fueling the body right you're not fueling the brain right so it is all one being so to speak and yes there's all these different schools of thought right the water the gym the kitchen the uh, de-stressing, right? The the choices you make in your career, all these are all variables. Um, but that if you had to simplify Gerson therapy, because I, I like the comp- I like your key word there, lifestyle. Yeah. Because I can't stand the word diet. That 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 left my vocabulary years ago. It's a it has been branded and 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 pushed through magazines and BS health and fitness world to That's the right. point where it's a short term mindset psychologically. Yeah. I can't stand the word diet. So I love the fact you threw the keyword lifestyle in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. You know, that's ultimately what it comes down to. But, you know, if you had to define it, I mean, let's take what Dr. Gerson talked about, right? Everything I learned about the Gerson therapy, I actually learned before that in biochemistry 101. Okay. If you, if you read Dr. Gerson's epic book that he wrote before he died, A Cancer Therapy, Results of 50 Cases, one word stands out that he mentions over and over and over again as it relates to maintaining optimal health and curing advanced disease. And that one word is metabolism. Mm. Everything we do with the Gerson therapy revolves around restoration of proper metabolism. All these diseases today are metabolic diseases. They're not genetic diseases. All these degenerative diseases we have today, including cancer, they're not they're not genetic diseases. They are metabolic diseases where metabolism is failing. And that is because mostly because of diet, but other lifestyle factors. And so everything we do on the Gerson therapy revolves around restoration of metabolism. This is what made Gerson such a finely packaged genius. What is metabolism? It's simple. It's biochemistry 101. It's the breakdown of food into energy. That's it. And the reason why disease has just gone off the charts today is because from the day we're born to the day we get sick, we destroy the three vital aspects of human metabolism. 
Where does the breakdown of food into energy begin? It begins in the gut, right? right. We're talking in natural medicine. I'm sure I'm talking to the choir here. In natural medicine, we're taught that 70% of your immune system is where? In your gut, right? Well, we've done everything humanly possible to destroy our guts through the processed foods, the artificial colors, the artificial flavors, cookies, cake, ice cream, white rice, white flour, white sugar. Seed oils. Yes, seed oils, right? Some seed oils, and and we can get into that. But, um, you know, we've done everything, antibiotics, pharmaceutical drugs, stress, alcohol. We've destroyed the gut. So in order to heal the human body of anything, you must restore the gut. There's only one way to restore the gut. How do you restore the gut? Food. There is no other way. And so on the Gerson therapy, our patients are getting 20 pounds of organic fruits and vegetables every single day, 20 pounds. And if it's not organic, our patients don't make it, they die. And so it has to be organic. It's mostly in the form of juices. So they're getting 13 fresh pressed juices every single day, every hour on the hour from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. One is in there in between every half hour. So 13 fresh pressed juices in three meals, organic, fully cooked meals every single day is how you begin to restore the human digestive tract. That's the first aspect of metabolism. So that's how you do it. You have to start by healing the gut. And that's where the Gerson therapy has reigned supreme. That's why eight movies have chronicled our work. That picture you showed of Albert Schweitzer, Nobel Peace Prize winner, called Gerson the greatest genius in medical history. You know, so this is where it starts is by starting to restore metabolism. And what I just spoke about is only one aspect of metabolism. There's two other things you have to address as well, you know, and we can possibly elaborate on that, you know, later. Well, what is your thoughts around, um, because I do know it, I've had been podcasting for five years and interviewed a lot of PhDs, a lot of scientists. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting path we're going down here because, so for example, you ever hear of Vinny Tortorich? No. So he, uh, I did some of the marketing for some of his documentaries and I used to manage his social media stuff because I'm a business guy. But that aside, uh, he, he released a very, very successful documentary. It's called Fat, a documentary truth about healthy fats. Uh, a lot of our traditional MD world and heart doctor world. And I actually, I don't even like the word traditional. It's, <laughs> that's also an interesting topic too, since you're yeah. on the natural medicine side. We'll just yeah. say, Modern modern effect. medicine guys and girls um, promoting the wrong things. We'll just say that. And then, obviously, yeah. what's the right things? So, for example, like avocado, great source of healthy fats, right? Um, why people think that fat is bad? Well, that's, you know, decades of miseducation. So, uh, now, what are your thoughts a bit with these, the juicing and stuff like that? Are you guys incorporating in uh, fat sources into those, uh, whatever the, all the other things you're doing uh, yeah. as far as the, the meals and organic and all that stuff? Are we, are we introducing fats? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's a great. Because yeah, like I, a- I, my biggest concern when I hear that is I hear, I see, I think of sugar loading because there obviously those exist in yeah. all things and yeah. I'd be concerned about that because I, I you know, back on metabolism, leptin and ghrelin, right? The hunger hormones, nicknames. Like, how do you 
get into that, I guess. Into what exactly? Ba- uh, balancing that so to make sure there's no negative ramifications uh, on those th- those th- those are only two hormones being affected, but I mean those are a part of the metabolism process. So, yeah, um, well, I'm not sure how to quite answer that, you know, as it relates to balancing hormones and stuff. I mean, really, you know, Gerson never was concerned about that because once you properly restore metabolism, which the bot is the body's conversion of sugar into energy you know, the body just seems to naturally balance all of that. You know, we, we've never had problems like with 13 organic fresh pressed juices a day, you'd think you'd get these massive insulin spikes, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't, you just don't get it on this therapy. And that's because of everything we're doing to properly convert that sugar into energy. And so let me just give you a quick example. Nobel Peace Prize winner, Albert Schweitzer, mm-hmm. eight years before he won the Nobel Prize, was suffering from severely advanced diabetes. Gerson cured him in six weeks on the same exact therapy. Well, look, how is that possible when you're giving a diabetic 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day in simple sugars from fruits and vegetables? How you think it would exacerbate the diabetes? On the contrary, it completely reverses diabetes in four to six weeks. No joke. You go on the Gerson therapy in four to six weeks, severe type two diabetes, all of that's gone. So the, the body's ability to restore insulin and glucagon, you know, all of those issues get cleared up. So, well, did they, um, did they I'm know? I'm not sure how we would, you know. Because what, what year was Schweitzer? That was, um, that was also early 1900s too, right? Or no? Uh, he won the Nobel Prize in 1952. Yeah. So he had been working in the Congo for 30 years. Yeah. Right? I'm just wondering, like, because I, I mean, again, to support the Garrison therapy, I think one of the biggest wake-up calls is, let's say you haven't even made the step into this the therapy program you guys had done. It's like you made the point earlier. Look at the le- – especially in this country. Look at the level of processed garbage that we have pushed to the populace. Yeah. And people are made to believe with good market, well, crappy marketing that that's good for them. It's like, yeah, right. It's like, did you ever hear of just go around the perimeter of the store and you could probably save yourself a lot of problems? Yeah, it's true. Right? Um, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, did they did they document like what Schweitzer was affected by? Because I mean, back in the '50s, yeah, I, I think I mean, obviously, thanks to the invention of manufacturing, yeah. we were already starting to do it. Uh, Maybe not as bad as it is today, but I'm sure the, the bad stuff was still happening. Um, yeah. I was going to say, was there any idea of what he – because obviously he, he became a type 2 diabetic is what I'm guessing, right? Because obviously type, type 1 is born. So he's like my dad. My dad never had diabetes until 10 years ago, and we grew up on a farm. And I'm like, well, Dad, we don't live on a farm anymore. And all of a sudden your nutrition went and like downhill. Well, there you go. And I look like this. And no, no one in my family looks like me. Everybody in my family is right. obese and has all kinds of problems. And I was like, "That's right, guys, I just stayed the way I was since I was a kid because I committed to a healthy lifestyle choice. What did yeah. you do? Yeah. Exactly. And they don't listen. <laughs> they don't listen yeah. at all. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It's the choices we make, right? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I, I'd like to address your questions. What yeah. do we do about facts? Yeah. Because I mentioned how we heal the first aspect of human metabolism, mm-hmm. how we restore metabolism. It starts in the gut, 70% of your immune system. Yeah. There's three aspects of metabolism we have to restore to be able to cure our patients. The next step is restoring the proper fats at the level of the cell membrane. Okay. So now you've healed the gut. 
you're properly able to break down and absorb nutrients into the bloodstream. Now you have to get those nutrients and sugars into the cell and you need to get oxygen into the cell to be able to convert sugar into energy. Mm -hmm. You can't convert sugar into energy without oxygen. And this is the crux of the matter today. It has to deal with fats, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to get oxygen into the cell via the cell membrane. Now that cell membrane around all your cells, it's the gatekeeper. It determines what can go in, what can't go in, what must come out, what can't go out. That's all determined at the level of the cell membrane. What is that cell membrane made up of? It's made up of fats. Mm -hmm. It's a phospholipid. But what kind of fats is it made up of? Whatever fats you're feeding it. Ah. Whatever, Whatever fats you're feeding it, right? The body's naturally going to use to maintain the cell membrane. What kind of fats is everyone eating today? Cookies, cake, ice cream, meat, cheese, dairy, you know, meat. Inflammatory fats. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, I had a great translation on that. Uh, Like the really, really bad seed oils, they were originally used as machinery lubricant. Like when they were, when they figured out that they can get, you know, an oil out of like really crappy seeds. And then obviously they just, they say, oh, well, this is also cheap. So we can then make, add this into our manufactured food making processes. And it's like, wow. And then we wonder yeah. why we have, we have all this inflammatory disease response. And to your, to your point, degradation of, of, of cell health and cell membranes. It's like, oh, and we've been doing well, this for I'm, a while. <laughs> right. But I may surprise you on what I'm going to say regarding seed oils. I agree with you. Sunflower seeds, safflower oil. Yeah. I right? said the bad, the bad seeds. Yeah. Right. So you have to, so let's define fats here, right? Mm -hmm. You have saturated fats, monosaturated fats, and polyunsaturated fats, Mm -hmm. right? What defines whether it's saturated, monosaturated, or unsaturated? What defines those? Fats are long carbon chains, right? Mm -hmm. And so those long carbon chains, they're defined, their fats are defined on whether or not they're saturated with what? Hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how you define it. A saturated fat is completely saturated with hydrogen, like coconut oil. It's completely hard at room temperature. Why? Because it's so highly saturated. Cholesterol, same thing. It's hard at body temperature, which is why it clogs arteries because it's it's so highly stable and saturated with hydrogen. Why is this significant? How many times have you heard an alkaline diet promotes health? An acidic diet promotes disease, right? You've heard that. I mean, those two terms are constantly thrown around, but they're never really explained. What does it mean? And what are the health implications of those two terms? Well, when we're talking about alkalinity and acidity, what are we talking about? We're talking about pH, right? The pH of the body. Well, what's pH? pH is potential hydrogen. So acidity by definition is the buildup of hydrogen in the body, particularly at the level of the cell membrane. Because of the saturated fat content in people's diets today, everyone's cell membranes are just made up of saturated fats. What is the clinical significance of this? In 1931, Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for demonstrating that cancer viruses and bacteria cannot survive in a body where the cells are properly oxygenated. 
And he went on to describe that the body's primary ability to oxygenate cells is an alkaline diet. Why? When your cell membranes are made up of non-saturated fats, or you could say even monosaturated fats, as oxygen approaches the cell, the charge at the level of the cell membrane literally draws oxygen into the cell like a magnet. Mm -hmm. If your cell membrane is made up of saturated fats, saturated with what? Hydrogen. Alkalinity, acidity, we're talking about pH. Acidity is the buildup of hydrogen, particularly at the level of the cell membrane. As oxygen approaches that cell loaded with saturated fats, the charge cannot accept it. It literally gets repelled away because the charge at the level of the cell membrane cannot accept oxygen into the cell. It repels it away. So rule number one on the Gerson therapy, there are no saturated fats. The only fat that Gerson found did not cause tumors to grow was raw organic flax oil. So on our therapy, the patient gets two tablespoons a day for six weeks of raw organic flax oil. You obviously don't cook with it. You cook with it, you destroy it, obviously. So after six weeks, they go down to one tablespoon. Now let's pause wow. on that. So you're not cooking it, you're not superheating it, because obviously that's, that's what right. changes its its chemical bonds, right? For example. Makes it destructive. Right. Yeah. Like because again, there's stable fats, unstable fats, right? That's what changes its structure. So that's important to clarify for people because it's like, well, it's not a cooking oil. That's exactly right. Raw flax oil is always to be consumed, you know, raw, unheated, and immediately upon extracting it from the bottle. Because these the, the polyunsaturated nature of flax oil makes it extremely volatile to air, heat, and light. That's why it comes in opaque bottles as well, mm -hmm. so that light can't break it down, right? Oh, that's the same rule with olive oil. You should you never put that in clear glass because, exactly. now granted, that is a stable oil that can be cooked with because you know it's an MCT level, not as not as MCT as coconut oil, but I mean, as far as that medium right. chain triglyceride that we're talking about for stability, I actually I enjoy a nice shot of olive oil straight. I don't need to superheat it. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, for a healthy person, that would be fine. If yeah. we gave our patients olive oil, our cancer patients, they very likely would not survive because you're destroying the body's ability, their body's ability, mm -hmm. not yours and mine yeah. necessarily. Well, they're, they're not at that point in the timeline, right? Because you're still restoring them. We have to restore the proper electrical charge at the level of the cell membrane. And that is through the proper fats. So and how, how does, interesting. So for olive oil not to be considered harmful to let's, for example, a cancer patient under this program, they, through the restoration steps, they can eventually consume it, right? They once, once, they're, once they're cured, yeah, right? And we've essentially reestablished the charge at the level of the cell membrane with polyunsaturated fat mm -hmm. in the form of only flax oil. Once they're cured, they can go back and, and you know, Gerson would say follow an 80-20 rule. 80%, you must maintain those principles of, of his dietary regimen. Okay. Just the principles, not the, you don't have to do 
80% of the juicing, 80% of the coffee enemas, which we haven't even talked about yet, yeah. right? But an 80-20 rule, 80% stick to the principles, 20% enjoy yourself, right? Yeah. Have a steak, uh, have some butter, have some coconut oil. You know, that wasn't a problem. Please, please, um, please. That does not mean, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm a strict guy. I am not yeah. going to go. I mean, I don't even eat manufactured garbage, but I'm saying I don't think Gerson would want anybody going back to the manufactured garbage. You know? Well, exactly. Uh, I mean, look, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You yeah. know, you're not going to go back and do the things that cause your disease. Yeah. Stay, stay away from the Oreos, people. I mean, that is just toxic garbage. So Right. But Gerson would tell you, you know what? cheat sometimes because that's the 20%. He felt that by, you know, doing some of the things that maybe wouldn't be so good for us, whether it be alcohol, steak, well, right? He felt that would keep the body functioning at a more optimal level than if you didn't. Hmm. And so once you were cured, he wanted you to follow an 80-20 rule. But anyway. So how is the time? I mean, I'm guessing there's no blanketed timeline a perfect timeline of these um, as you move up the ladder, so to speak, or you move on from step to step or phase to phase, I guess is a better word. Is there an average time cycle? So let's say you're yes. like, these guys are going through a, a juice thing, the the, yeah. the press thing. Is that, is our standard cycle that you guys have seen? And it doesn't matter if you're cancer or whatever. Um, is there like a standardized timeline? Yeah. there. Can you see me? Yeah. Okay, because I, I lost you. Oh, okay, so, well, as long as the, sure. the audio should always go through. I've, I've been doing this for a while. Sometimes, depending on where you're at in the, in the world. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I just keep anyway. rocking. Yeah, no problem. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there's, there is a timeline. I mean, for an advanced cancer patient, Gerson was adamant they must do it for two years. Okay. Tumors are typically gone within the first year. But if you don't continue on the Gerson therapy and rebuild, continue to rebuild the organic systems and the immune system fully, if you stop at one year when the tumors are gone, mm -hmm. the cancer is coming back. And we see that religiously. Gerson figured out, I don't know how he did it, but for him, he wanted to see what he believed were 50 cycles of liver cell turnover. And that takes roughly two years. When you say so, liver cell turnover, are you referring to it's uh, the organ's ability to rebuild and heal and, and generate new cells or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The cycles by which the liver turns over itself for Dr. Gerson took two years. And that was roughly 50 cycles of liver regeneration, cellular turnover. Hmm. And so at two years, you know, he would pronounce his patients cured even though their tumors and stuff were gone after one year. So two years is the protocol. Okay. And that's like, that's, that's like the whole therapy program, right? It's a two year minimum to establish a, well, basically to reestablish a healthy baseline is what you're kind of saying. Um, to restore the, the human, I mean, it, this it, is the, restoring the gut and everything. Yeah. This is restoration of the human organism. And, and just to give you a classic example, if you watch the movie, The Beautiful Truth, okay, it, it's incredible. If you go an hour into that movie, they actually show a woman who entered the clinic in 2004 in the movie, The Gerson Miracle. So The Gerson Miracle was done in 2004. This woman's in that movie okay, with six months to live with ovarian cancer. Wow. You look, you ovarian look is pretty bad, right? Like that's. It's aggressive. 
Yeah. Yeah. But we have great success. Ovarian is one of our greater successes, believe it or not. Really? Um, but in the movie, The Gerson Miracle, she's walking into the clinic and you see her sitting on her bed. She's totally cachexic. She's peaked, grayish. She, her belly's out to here with ascites. She literally looks like she has six months to live. They show her four years later in the movie, The Beautiful Truth, and they show side-by-side footage from The Gerson Miracle and The Beautiful Truth. It will send shivers up and down your spine. It is a complete restoration of the human organism, a body that was on the verge of dying to one that is a complete model of human health. And it's right there, the beautiful truth, one hour in, it'll shock you. But that's standard on what we do. That's the standard response to the Gerson therapy, even in the most terminal of cases. Now, let me clarify, we don't cure everyone. Sure. Some people, we don't know why, they just don't make it. But when you say severe, I mean, are we talking like stage four or like she had six months to live. That's that's stage, that's like beyond that's stage, stage four, four exactly. stage four plus. Or, that's right. Stage yeah. four plus, you know, if there was a stage four plus, yeah. that's it. You know, so so that's it. That is what we do. And, you know, like I said, we don't cure everyone, but we cure more than anyone in the world. And that's why eight movies have been done on our work. No other therapy in the world can boast but one chronicling its work, let alone eight, because the Gerson therapy has the most storied history of being able to reverse advanced cancer for over a hundred years, which is shocking because at the beginning of the show, you had to admit you'd never heard of the Gerson therapy. How's that possible? How's that possible? Because Gerson, 65 years after his death, remains the most censored doctor in the history of medicine. He is censored by the American Medical Association, to this day, the American Cancer Society, but more importantly, they control the media through the billions upon billions of dollars they pay the media. So any editor of any major media news outlet that's presented with the Gerson therapy will squash it in the editorial room because you don't bite off the hand that feeds you. Oh, it's it's not just, I mean, obviously you can use Gerson because you know it so well as a primary example, but he's not the only one, right? I mean, I hate, <clears throat> I don't wear the foil hats, people. I just say it how it is. And it's, yeah, it's, the, f- the fact that people still follow the ADA and the AHA, uh, yeah. and I'm referring to the American Diabetes and American Heart Associations, right. is, again, they might have been founded on good principles, but for the past 15, 20 years, there's so much incorrect information. And then if they get proven wrong, they don't actually come out and admit it. They just all of a sudden delete those articles out of their blog and like take them away because we've seen this on other things that I've t- discussed on this show. And it's interesting. Like, they're just, it's like they're quietly backing out of the room. Like, oh, yeah, we were wrong about that. Well, we're, not, we're just not going to say that, yeah. but we're just going to go ahead and just change how it looks. That's right. <laughs> but That's to your point, we're talking about a billion dollar relationship. You know, sick people make money. More than that. Uh, it's a trillion. Medicine in the United States, they say, is 18 to 20% of the American GDP. 
18 to 20 percent of the American workforce is somehow tied to the medical and pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. And the yeah. sad part is, and again, I don't get political on this show, but I will say like there's a strong percentage of the population just want the healthcare system, which is broken, and our government to fix it. And I've always reminded people that we have to take a personal accountability, each and every one of us, to learn about these things and learn. That's why I love podcasting, right? It's like, guys, like, slow down and do some research for yourself. Don't just blindly trot, you know, trust the first doctor you go across, for example, right? I tell people, too, whether it's a chiropractor or a traditional MD, like, get a second and a third opinion. If something doesn't seem right or something's not working, if it's not working, why would you keep doing it? That's like the definition of insanity right there. Like maybe there's other therapies and and, uh, things that we need to be looking into. But the average, the average consumer, the average uh, citizen, we've used this excuse for years. Like, oh, I'm just too busy. I'm going to trust the the professional. And I said, well, what if the professional isn't up on everything or has chosen that once they've left the, you know, quote, traditional education system, they've got their doctorate. They've stopped learning, and I'm not. I don't have any letters after my name, but yeah. I, God, the amount of audiobooks and podcasts that I consume weekly, I'm a voracious learner. So yeah. I wish more people can do that. I mean, do you find this is also a part of the big hurdle for a lot of people? Is just nobody's taking accountability to go outside the supposed norm and look at history and look at these things? Well, I mean, look. I- the dumbing down of America has taken place over the last several decades. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and so people today, I mean, Ralph Nader, right? I mean, Ralph Nader, the guy who would always run as an independent for the presidency, right? Yeah. He was once quoted as saying, living, the, living in the United States is like being in a football stadium filled with 330 million screaming, obnoxious fans. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you're standing on the 50-yard line and you manage to shut them up for about 20 seconds. And you scream out, is there anybody in this stadium who can tell me the difference between ignorance and apathy? And 99.999% all yell back, we don't know and we don't care. Mm. If you can keep people entertained 24-7 with Hollywood, with sports, with music, whatever, you can do whatever you want to them. They have dumbed down the American and world public. They've made them apathetic, ignorant, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. People stop questioning and they've trusted what they've seen on the boob tube and they just haven't really questioned the things that have been presented to them over the last three, four, five, six decades. People have no clue that the cure for cancer has been around for over a hundred years. That's mind boggling to me. The, the fact that people are still putting out the uh, the term or, or phrase that, you know, cancer is a genetic condition. I'm like, if it was, then why didn't we have a rampant problem decades ago? That's a gr- I make right? that point constantly when I lecture. Like if we keep progressing supposedly throughout time with advanced science and all this stuff and it's getting worse, clearly the science per se or the, the modern medical practices might not be working. That's why I'm a big fan of 
of uh, uh, the up and coming growth of natural medicine doctors, right? These uh, people that are balancing the Eastern versus Western education and not just trusting the, I call it the pharmaceutical band-aid, right? Oh, I saw you less than five minutes. Here's a script. Like, no, because you didn't find the root cause. Like, That's exactly right. And I, I don't have, I don't have any letters after my name. So what do I know? <laughs> you made a great point though. You know, Back in 1900, I think they said one out of every 60, some say even one out of every 100 people got cancer. We're down to one out of every three. And now they're saying within the next five to 10 years, it'll be one out of every two will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their life. So anyone who knows basic Darwinian theory and genetic changes, we know that takes hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. So why the absolutely parabolical rise in disease today from 1900 until now that's not genetics Mm -hmm. what happened well what's happened since 1900 and now the industrial age exactly a massive expansion of the industrial revolution that has belched every poison into our air our water our food that has affected our genetic material which is not an issue of genetics, but an issue of what is called epigenetics. Epigenetics, yeah. Which is the effect of our environment and lifestyle on our genetic predispositions. You may be pregenetically disposed to get prostate cancer. I may be pregenetically disposed to get colon cancer. Doesn't right? mean we have to get it. That's exactly right. It doesn't mean we have to get it. When we fall outside the laws of nature, that is when those genetic predispositions get expressed as disease. But when we stay within the laws of nature that God created for us, those genetic predispositions don't expose themselves. And that therein lies the true issue of what's behind disease. It's not genetic as in, well, mommy got it, granny got it, auntie got it, sis got it, therefore I'm going to get it, right? I've always said that. I was like, I love breaking the status quo or the the family history or whatever you want to look at. It's like, we all have a choice uh, to overcome. Why not improve your family's lineage, not, not degrade it further? But that takes a personal accountability. Well, that's right. And so- it's not, and so getting back to that, you know, it's not that granny, mommy, uh, auntie, sis got the disease. Well, what runs in families? It's not genetics. Decisions. What runs in fa- decisions. Diet, stress, poor relationships, mm-hmm. environmental exposure, because chances are you're, you were living in the same area. Oh, and, and so, like past 20, 30 years going down the plastics pike. Yeah, actually, a name that popped in my head while you were talking for the past couple of minutes was uh, Dr. Anthony Jay. He's he's been on the show a couple of times. He's an expert in. Uh, he wrote, released a book, Estro Generation: The Impacts of Plastics, you know, on your epigenetics and everything else. It's like, yeah, it's like, exactly. We didn't have this level of toxic exposure that we've right. allowed into our lifestyles, uh, decade after decade. I mean, going back to uh, Albert Schweitzer's time. He, part of his negative health impacts were probably not as heavily influenced by plastics, other things, other things. Sure. But not plastic. So, yeah. um, That's right. But now, I mean, that's what, that's what scary part is that that's why, again, back to simple mathematics, like instead of one out of one out of a hundred, now it's one out of three to five. And it's like, look at what we've done. That's frightening. Yeah. 
In less than 2050, years. yeah, by 2050, virtually everyone will be guaranteed, you know, of at some point being diagnosed with cancer. And you throw the clot pill, you know, the clot shot into that, you know, the coronavirus vaccine. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, well, I, the I, effects I, that that's going to have in the future on. One thing, I, I've just... I've kept my mouth quiet for a long time on all those types of subjects. And I'm like, you know what? Here's the deal. It's my mic. It's my uh, show. I didn't get the vaccine. My wife is a is doctor of equine medicine and a doctor of chiropractic for animals. She's a very smart cookie. Oh, wow. And we're both pretty intelligent. And we're like, well, and we're both very, very healthy. And we're both making very, very smart, healthy lifestyle decisions. And we're like, well, her rule was... That's not enough testing time. She's like, when that follows the standard, you know, vaccine worlds of, of blah, blah, blah. I don't care how many people around the world are working together to turn it out. She's like, you still have to allow, like every other history of vaccines, a testing period. So that aside, yeah. okay, that's a whole other podcast. But we're like, okay, let's just see what happens. And somehow we're still here. And okay. But uh, the biggest thing I've always said to everybody even listening to this show here today is you do you, right? Please yeah. take personal accountability for your healthy education. Please take accountability for what you're learning, not just listening to the boob tube, you know, or mm. BS, uh, uh, the negative news networks, <laughs> which I don't subscribe to either. I was like, I'm yeah. going to take accountability for what I'm consuming and I'm going to make my own decision. Yeah. And, and that's, it is what it is. And now, yeah. What I'm seeing here in 2023 already, not just from the vaccine, but from other things, I was like, ugh, to be fair, it's actually not a vaccine. They changed the glossary definition on that. That's um, true. That is true. All right. I mean, because right. again, I do my research. I'm like, no, that was changed to modify that. So, and again, I don't wear floral hats, people. I'm just saying how it is. I, I brought that up the other day, and someone's like, they didn't change the definition. I'm like, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> it's, it, you can Google it. it. They show you the date it was changed and how they changed the thesauruses and the dictionaries and everything else. Like, no, that was changed. Wow. <laughs> I don't need a foil hat for that. <laughs> yeah. But no, again, it's amazing, you know, how you're labeled a conspiracy theorist, whatever. Right. When, you know, and then it's like, but now there's enough negative evidence out there. I was like, you know, I'm not. Like, I've never filtered myself before. I just chose not to talk about it. But I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, uh, like if you chose to do that, I hope I hope that enough of your other healthy lifestyle choices will keep you alive. And you, may, you won't have some of the negative side effects that we're starting to see right now, which are really, really scary. Um, scary. But back to cancer, that's a little bit bigger of a subject. That's been well-established for a long time. And actually, I was on your site. You guys were targeting lymphoma too, right, as a big target. Well, lymphoma and melanoma are the easiest things to cure. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah, they're easy. I mean, they're, they're you know, I told you we don't cure everybody. No. And yeah. I, I would never guarantee that we could cure somebody. But if there ever was a point where we would guarantee that someone would get well, it would be lymphoma and melanoma. Okay. And there's a, there's a reason for that. You know, all your other cancers, they have the ability to hide from the immune system by um, actually surrounding themselves by what's called a biofilm or an envelope, so to speak, that makes us, that makes them undetectable from the immune system. Well, lymphoma and melanoma, they don't have that capacity. 
So when you boost up the immune system, which nothing does that better than the Gerson therapy, it's that simple. Uh, lymphoma and melanoma are readily, readily destroyed. Interesting. Uh, so lymphomas, lymphoma is probably our greatest success. Well, I've always believed in a healthy immune system. And again, whether people are following your, your programs that have been obviously been around a long time, uh, but it's like something as simple as helping your body detox. Like I, I, I hate, I see people go online like, Oh, I love how everybody's trying to launch these detoxification things. Like, don't you understand that your body's already doing that? You don't need a program. And I'm like, well, actually, if you're living a very unhealthy lifestyle, it's a lot harder for your body That's to right. use its natural detoxification process. That's right. Because you killed it. That's <laughs> Just true. Like, the liver, right? Right. The immune system, all this. I was like, I was like yes, your body can do that yeah. if you've helped it do what it's supposed to do. But going back to our points earlier in the show, it's like, you know, healthy mind, healthy body. These programs are in our biology and they are wired into, but like back to your point, it's like if the cells don't have the right power and the right energy because we haven't fueled them right, how are they supposed to operate right, energize properly, et cetera? It's like, guys, you your body's going to crash and burn if you treat it like that. If you treat it like a garbage dump, you get what you deserve. Is That's probably not the most positive way to respond to that, but it's like, yeah, you kind of do. Well, we reap what we sow. I there we go. Simple. Reap what you sow. Sounds we much more eloquent. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we're coming to the end of the episode. It's been great. What, how do you try and, I mean, there's so much to digest, so much to sum up. That's why I told people, like, if, if this is interesting to you, obviously go to gersonclinic.com. It'll be in the show notes. But, like, how do you try and sum all this up now that you're in 2023? Like, how are you, how are you guys trying to get through to people, the wake-up call, whatever it may be? Yeah, well, you know, the Gerson therapy historically has been a therapy to treat advanced disease. Mm-hmm. And you've heard the adage, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Mm. Well, the day and age that we live in today, now this therapy has to become a means of just prevention rather than just treating disease. We are under the greatest onslaught in history of everything from toxicity to poor food, but more importantly, you know, what we really didn't delve into, and that's the elephant in the room, the pandemic and the agenda behind all that. Oh, yeah. The, the things that they're doing to us right now, people have got to wake up or they are going to be experiencing disease so quickly, so aggressive. These diseases coming in now and these cancers are so much more aggressive and just happening almost overnight. I mean, it truly is just insane to watch what's going on as it relates because my clinic is a microcosm to what's going on in the world oh it's scary yeah it's a microcosm and just in the last two to three years since the pandemic the things coming in the aggressive nature of the cancer it is getting crazy and they're not done and so this therapy becomes more of a means of prevention let alone you know, trying to heal an advanced disease like a terminal cancer. But the unfortunate thing is, is that people, most people, they won't do what they need to do until they're on their deathbed. And that is the unfortunate reality. Very true. 
Yeah, foods become so social, so emotional, and and people have no longer the discipline, you know, to to combat that and do what they need to do, eat to live rather than live to eat, right? I agree. And yeah, and so you know, those are the only closing thoughts I can I can conjure up. Well, know, I love your important point on helping people understand that even though this has been historically used for you guys to target severe uh, levels of disease uh, that's already heavily, deeply impairing people, Uh, even in your successfully treated diseases list, people, and and I've, I've looked at this just from helping people like remove crappy sugary junk out of their lifestyle, right? It's like acne, asthma, arthritis, right? A lot of these things, people like, Oh, that's not a disease. I'm like, is it? If it's chronic and it's been affecting you a long time, what are you doing to trigger these inflammatory illnesses, aka disease responses? So to your point, right? It's like, and here's the best part, and then people are ignoring it and considering it normal, and then they go and take a drug for it, which again, the drug is not a cure. So if you could yeah. find the original, so all these points, and, and then, but they're not waking up, and then they're surprised when something worse comes down the pike, like diabetes, yeah. cancer, cancer. Yeah. you know, it's like these are all like listen to your body like that's right people aren't paying attention it's that's like right. the guy, people lost that ability to yeah. feel what they should be feeling like our point earlier they got the the did the digital blinders on you got digital blinders from the negative news networks digital blinders from like the movie industry and tv and everything. like guys turn the tv off read a book <laughs> listen to a podcast when you're traveling in your car windshield university i call it uh listen to a, a an audio book whatever right like you could crush out a ton of knowledge and then start maybe making some better decisions or right. leave the digital blinders on and see what happens. So yeah. uh, it's just, it's kind of turned into like a public service announcement uh, <laughs> at the end of the show here, but it's important. Our health is, is important. Uh, well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do a screen share one more time for the YouTube feed. If anything in this episode got you thinking, got you, got you to, you know, so wait, let me look into something. Go to the uh, GersonClinic.com. Just see what they're doing. Look at the history. I love the history section, right? Uh, they have, I guess I already hinted at, they got the whole successfully treated diseases they on here. Uh, yes, you need to listen to your body. Yes, you need to pay attention to what you're doing to yourselves. And uh, if you're not, you're just flushing your potentially your life down the toilet. I'll, I'll, I hit this as, as hard as it is. So again, check that out. Share with a friend. I think you know nowadays with social media, uh, sharing can be caring if you're sharing the right information. So <laughs> if you're sharing negative Nancy stuff, uh, false education or unhealthy practices, then don't bother sharing. We, we don't need any more of that. Uh, as we hinted at during the show here, the, the world's population has enough negative impacts hitting it between the toxic uh, atmosphere, the toxic air, the toxic water, and our toxic food supply. So- Thank you for tuning in. Remember, GersonClinic.com. And Dr. Vickers, thank you for hanging with me today as my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. Take accountability on all three of those domains. Keep learning. Keep being willing to make changes in your life. And make 2023 your year for positive change. So, all right. That's another episode of Live the Fuels Books. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.